Okay, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalm. Psalm 7. Then also find your place in Psalm chapter 57. Appreciate what the Lord's been doing in my heart during these days. And no matter what the results of the meeting will be during the course of this week, you cannot put a price tag what God's been doing in my heart and life, and I thank Him and praise Him for it. When God begins to burden your heart during the night, and you're spending time up during the night and the morning praying and studying, amen, God is working. And I trust that you will take heed to the preaching that you've heard. The worst thing that you could ever do is die from a Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church just as this and end up in hell. Slide off a church pew right into the corridors of the damned. And there's a lot of people that do that. But my prayer and desire is that you would not do that. It's amazing how God changes the burden for each and every meeting that you go to as I've been in this business for some years now. This is all I've ever done. I've never pastored church. It's not God's will for me to pastor church unless that uh, I help, like Brother Stewart, start a church and then find a God called pastor. But during the last meeting, God had us preach a lot on unity. And God knew the need, and God helped us pastors to walk right into that thing and help that church in the matter of unity. But God has burdened our heart each night to preach gospel messages. And that is not without a purpose. There are people that are coming to this meeting and attending this meeting that need to be saved. And again, God has laid upon our hearts sometime early this morning a message for individuals in the meeting house tonight. Let's stand, if you would, please, out of respect and reverence for the Word of God. I'll not have time to deal with the context necessarily and preach it of Psalm 7 and Psalm 57, but I want to draw a couple of verses out of each of these texts. Psalm 7 and verse number 15. The Bible says he made a pit and digged it and is fallen into the ditch which he made. Now look over in Psalm 57 and verse number 6. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they have fallen themselves. Selah. Stop and think about it. Meditate upon this. Our precious Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for another opportunity we can bow in your presence and call upon your precious name. We thank you for this wonderful congregation that is gathered before us tonight. And I plead the precious blood of the Lord Jesus that you would quiet our spirits and deal with our hearts. 
May you cause a heavy sense of conviction in the midst of this congregation tonight. And I pray that each and every one of us would examine ourselves. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ for precious souls to be saved for your glory. Lord, revive the church. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Psalm chapter 7 is the first of what is known of the imprecatory psalms. An imprecatory psalm is that which contain an invocation of judgment, calamity, or the curse of God upon one's enemies. Of course, you know the truth from the Bible if you've been in church any time at all. The psalmist David was chased all around the wilderness and the land of Judea by his enemies. Saul was hot on his trail and he desired to kill anyone that might ascend to the throne in his place knowing that he had lost the blessing of God and David had been anointed with oil to be the next king over Israel. And so David here in Psalm Chapter number 7 is calling down the curse of God upon the enemies that are dogging his trail. We see here in the introduction of Psalm chapter number 7 that it is a song written about concerning the words of Cush. Now we don't know exactly who Cush is, but it could have been one of Saul's henchmen. That's what Bible commentators say. Psalm 57, David is again fleeing Saul. And he voices a prayer to God in verses 1 through 6. Then he directs his praise to God in verses 7 through 11. He's praying to God for deliverance. But what God dealt with my heart about, young man, in both instances... David mentions that the wicked or the ungodly are digging a pit. And what God had me to bear down on tonight is taking application from these two verses of Scripture. And I want to preach on this thought. Digging a pit to the bottomless pit. The wicked are digging a pit. The ungodly are digging day to day. In the things they do, the things they say, they're digging deeper and deeper. And one day, they will fall into that same pit themselves as they plunge into hell. Look in Proverbs 26 and verse number 27. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 26 and verse 27. It says, Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein. Proverbs 28 and verse number 10. The Bible says, Whoso causeth the righteous to grow astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit. Psalm 9 and verse number 15 will be alluding to this 
the good Lord's will at the end of the message. The Bible says the heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. So the wicked are digging a pit. Digging a pit to the bottomless pit. I say first of all that they're digging a pit through the deeds that they do. The wicked are digging a pit through the deeds that they perform. Notice what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9. The Bible says this, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you know that God lists some people specifically that are not going to heaven? The Bible says, be not deceived. It would do you well tonight not to be deceived. It says, neither fornicators. Our land is full of sexual sins. Some wicked and ungodly pervert of the day, amen, says, well, sex sells. And that's evident from the billboard advertisements the liquor advertisements that you see plastered all over our nation. They don't have some ugly looking hang up there, amen. Oh, no. They have some wicked Jezebel plastered all over. And there's a promotion of fornication in the day and hour in which we live. There's several teenagers that are sitting here. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible tells you to flee fornication. Every sin that a man committeth is without the body. But a man that commits fornication sinneth against his own body. Go ahead and don't listen to the preacher. Go ahead and do your own thing. Keep digging your pit. I know I remember going to school with a young boy named Chris. You call that young man, when I went to school with him, you would think he was, I'm not trying to be funny, but the average nerd. I mean, he didn't comb his hair. You'd think he wore a pocket protector. But I remember how Chris, after I graduated from high school, and Chris got involved in sexual sins. Chris is cool now. He's involved in fornication. And the last time I witnessed a Chris at a funeral with beer on his breath, preacher, don't worry about me. I know the Lord, and I pray for you too. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. A person that lives the lifestyle of fornication, it's not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He says, nor idolaters. There's no such thing as a Roman Catholic that practices idolatry born again. Why, you knock the doors, you hear it all the time. I used to be a Baptist, but no, I go to the Catholic church. No, I go to the Mormon church. I'm telling you what, friend, idolaters are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. God, listen, friend, you'll turn from your idolatry to the living God when you get saved. First Thessalonians 1, 9 says it, amen. 
nor adulterers. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not trying to hurt you if you have suffered the heartache of a divorce. But I'm going to tell you there is a revolving door and these wicked, ungodly judges are going to burn in hell for profiteering in marriage and divorce. The average person has a credit card at City Hall. Adultery is rampant. People think nothing of it, friend. This don't work out. We'll go get us a lawyer and we'll divorce. And it'll be over. It's not over. It's not over. I told a lady, and it's not very popular, but it's the truth, friend. She talked about her daughter going and getting a divorce, couldn't live with the young man she married with, got married to. And I said, ma'am, if she divorces and she marries again, she's got two husbands. I've lost meetings over it and everything else. But listen, it matters little. It's still the Word of God. I'm not trying to hurt you if you've been through that, amen. But I'm telling you what, friend. God, friend, is sick of the sexual sins of this nation. The cup of iniquity is about full. And not many preachers from the pulpit will say anything about it. I'll tell you why. The wicked are digging a pit. They're digging. They're digging in the sins of fornication and idolatry and adultery. Amen. The effeminate abusers of themselves of mankind. Some Bible teachers teach that this is the male and female role of the sodomite lifestyle. You say, you shouldn't say anything about that. I'm telling you what, it's about time we said something about this filthy sin of sodomy. We have many military men here, and I'm not throwing off on you. But people have been against putting them in the military. I'm for it. Put them in the Navy. Put them in ships. And sink the ships! You say that's cruel. God says they will pollute the land! The Old Testament said kill them. Just what it said. Amen, friend. I'm telling you what, friend. Hey, this is a wicked generation that we live in. People are digging a pit. I preached, amen, in tent meetings when they danced around the tent and did their ungodly acts right in front of us, amen. Filthy and vile. Most of them are sealed, friend. Their consciences is seared. Probably the only ones you would ever hope to reach is those that are just being introduced to the lifestyle. They cannot reproduce. They are filthy and vile. They are wicked as the devil himself. And our nation is about filled with it. And if you think a preacher shouldn't preach against it, it's because you've got a rotten spot in your life. The only thing about his worth as a sodomite is a sympathizer to it. Amen. Oh, God help us, friend, when they're putting them right in the state capitals. Amen. 
God help us. It's filthy. It's ungodly. What are they doing? Digging a pit. Nor thieves. Nor covetous. Nor drunkards. There's not one drunkard going to heaven. If you claim to be saved by the grace of God and God has not broke you from the bondage of drink, you don't have any hope in Jesus Christ. God will take you off, amen, that drunkenness, the devil's brew, amen, and hook you up to a new fountain, hallelujah. You look up here, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. You know what I'm watching, Brother Harvey? The years now, God has let me go to different churches year after year. Stuff that's not real is coming out. I just left the church. Good family in the church. Have some standards of separation. But their children are leaving home, running away. Breaking their parents' hearts. Running off and getting married and everything else. I'm telling you right, in separated churches like this, there's children that are going to turn out to be drunkards. And listen, friend, claim the grace of God. Now, you may pull that over on somebody, but you're not going to pull over on this preacher. Because if you live these as a lifestyle, these lifestyle as a lifestyle, you do not have hope of eternal salvation. No revilers. A reviler is one that treats another with contemptuous language. Whether it be another individual or God, they blaspheme God's name. No extortioners, they rip off other people for ill-gotten gain. None of these people shall inherit the kingdom of God. But hallelujah for verse number 11. And such where some of you, hallelujah. Thank God in Corinth, there was people that had got born again by the Spirit of God. But you're washed. But you're sanctified. But you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The wicked are digging a pit through their deeds. Look in Romans chapter number 1. Passage that's not really preached that much anymore. But you would think it is a commentary of our nation. The Bible says, I hate to skip down to verse number 18, but for sake of time we'll do so. Romans 1, 18, for the wrath of God. How long has it been since you heard a message on the wrath of Almighty God? Look at me. God is angry with the wicked every day. God's not pleased with all these wicked abominations going on. God's angry with them. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They hold it down. They suppress the truth. Nobody wants to hear truth any longer. 
There's hardly any churches that want to hear the truth in its in the spirit of Christ. Amen. No, they want you to sugarcoat it. Give them a sugar daddy. Amen. Tell us about the love of Jesus Christ. But they want it apart from the holiness of God. They don't want to hear one thing about the holiness of God. They don't want to hear that you've got to you've got to be as righteous as God is righteous to go to heaven. Do you realize that? Only perfection can please perfection. You think God's going to let one thing into heaven that defileth or maketh a lie? You're a fool. I'm talking about our standing in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you what, when I got saved, I received the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He clothed me in His righteousness. I stand tonight a trophy of God's grace only because I stand in Christ. Hallelujah. God's revealed it. But they want to hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God, verse 19, is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You're without excuse this evening. Because that when they, here it is, knew God, they glorified Him not as God. You have to know something about truth to receive a lie. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Here's a bad misconception in our day. Unbelief is not ignorance. People today make it out that people... Well, people out here, they're unbelievers. And they make it out to be that people are ignoramuses of God's truth. That's not what the word unbelief means, friend. Unbelief is rebellion to reveal truth. He said, you will not come to me that you might have life. If you believe not that I'm He, He shall die in your sins. You couldn't take Jesus' preaching. You get offended at my preaching. You couldn't take Jesus's. Unbelief is rebellion. Rebellion against revealed truth. God has revealed His righteousness and yet you reject it. What are you doing? Digging a pit. You're digging a pit. It's getting deeper. Notice what the Bible says. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, but neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So they have intellectual knowledge. I'm not against it per se. People are going to school. In fact, we've got some people that are internal, eternal students. They never leave college. Hey, Amen. But they go to these institutions of so-called higher learning. I've met some of these fools. 
from Harvard, Boston College, they don't even believe there is a God. They claim to be atheists and yet take God's holy name in vain. Talk about a fool. If I didn't believe in him, I surely wouldn't use his name. They professed themselves to be wise, but they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image likened to corruptible man, into birds, and forfeited beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed? Hallelujah forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. I'm going to tell you, young person, you better listen to me not. You say, it's never happened to me. You just don't know if you're not saved. You don't know how far you'll go. God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error that was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, a mind that is void of judgment. God gave them up. God gave them up and then He gave them over. Their deeds are sinking them lower and lower. God gives them up to unclean loving, unclean logic. And then God gives them over to a reprobate mind. And if God gives you over to a reprobate mind, you ain't going to get saved. Keep digging. Keep digging your pit. Keep digging. To do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetous, maliciousness, which means extreme enmity or disposition to injure, full of envy, murder, debate. How many people do we meet out on visitation trying to pass out tracts that in this day and hour there used to be seamless semblance of the fear of God, but now they want to debate the issue. Whether there's really a God, whether the Word of God is really so, professional debaters, God help us, friend. You keep debating the issue with God, you're never going to get saved. Deceit, malignity. The word malignity means malice without provocation. Deep-rooted spite. People will spite you 
just without any provocation at all. Whispers, backbiters, haters of God. I'm going to tell you what, friend. God don't have much good to say about a sinner in his lost state. <laughs> That's what this Bible tells us, amen. Haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable. The word implacable means not to be appeased. That which cannot be pacified and rendered peaceable and merciful. Who knowing the judgment of God, verse 32, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. We didn't even have to go to the Old Testament. Right there it is in the New Testament. But notice what they do. Not only do the same, but they have pleasure in them that do them. They enjoy doing it. And they enjoy watching others do it. I'm telling you what. You listen to me, young man. You can dig a pit to the bottomless pit by your deeds. You're in church now, but where are you going to be five years from now? What are you going to be doing five? You don't want to be here. You don't want to hear the preaching of the Lord. You're made to come tonight. You can dig a pit by your deeds. Let's check the depth. How deep are you? How deep? How deep are you getting? How deep are you? We're digging a pit to the bottomless pit. You can dig a pit with your deeds. And you can dig a pit with deception. Multitudes of people are going to fall into hell that are deceived by religion, good works, trusting the water baptism. The Bible says, young lady, Proverbs 14, 12, Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It's the same right way. The way seems right. But you're dead wrong. Are you in the same right way tonight? I'll preach you I'm sincere. I'm sincere in my beliefs. I mean, I count the rosaries. I do the Hail Marys. I'm, I'm so sincere. But I'm telling you in the love of God, you're sincerely wrong. There's no hope in the Pope. There's no hathen, uh, there ain't no hope in any church. There's only hope in Jesus. Even Mary called Jesus my Savior. He is the only Savior. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name given under heaven among men. Whereby you must, you must be saved. You must be born again. 
you're on the scene right way, ain't you? Nobody's going to tell you what to do. You've made your profession. You ain't never changed your life, but you've made your little profession. Jesus gave some good instruction, did he not, in Matthew chapter 7, where he said in verses 13 and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate. Broad is the way. It leadeth to be destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate. Nurse the way. It leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The disciples come to our Lord and said, Lord, are there few that be saved? And notice this astounding statement by the Savior. He said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many shall seek to enter in and shall not be able. It's not that the way is not open. It's that they won't come God's way. People would rather come up any other way except through the door. It makes men, it soothes their conscience as young lady to think they can do enough good to please and merit God's favor. They feel that God needs a little help. And so they get more religious. But they never get off the broad path. He said, enter ye in at the straight gate. The straight gate. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But you ain't concerned. I know why. Because you're interested in digging your pit. Keep on digging. You're digging day to day. You're digging a pit to the bottomless pits, what you're doing. Jesus said, Verse 15, Matthew chapter 7. Beware of false prophets. My, there's a heap of them. John Hagee, Benny Hinn, Billy Graham, just to name a few. God help us. They're preaching other ways to heaven. <coughs> preaching their dynamic experiences. Ma'am, you better listen to me. Not everybody that stands behind the pulpit's a man of God. And we've got their glass cathedrals today. Multi-million dollar complexes. And Harling's behind the pulpit. Bunch of liars. Preaching all these other ways to heaven except through the Lord Jesus Christ and through his shed blood. I'm going to tell you what Paul said about it. If I or angel from heaven preach any other gospel in which you ever see, let him be accursed. It means let him literally go to hell. And that, you say, preacher, that's where they're going. It's a bunch of liars. Lie to. Millions and masses of people. And won't tell them that Jesus is the only Savior. You keep following them false prophets. You know what you're doing? You're digging a pit. 
Keep on digging. Keep on digging. Verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. For many shall say me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Didn't we preach? <laughs> Didn't we preach? We preached in your name. Do you realize that these people are coming with the very embers and the smell of sulfur? The burning embers of hell all over them. And they're being ushered before the great white throne judgment. And yet they're still arguing with God. We don't deserve to be here. We have prophesied in your name. It's the world's greatest argument. We have prophesied in your name. And in your name, we've cast out devils. You don't need in this day and hour to go around looking for them. You'll run into enough of them. You won't have to be a devil chaser. There'll be enough show up at your doorstep at an average Baptist church. But in my name, we've cast out devils. And we did many wonderful works. Then while I profess the name, I never knew you. Does God know you? your name just on the church roll? Are you born again of the Spirit of God? Are you deceived? Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Your works were iniquity works. You better learn this. Every good thing you do before you get saved is sin in the sight of God. Everything you think's good is sin. God does not accept our merits in order to get saved. A lot of people are digging a pit with deception. They've got their house built on the wrong thing, don't they? They're like that man in Matthew 7. This guy's house built on sand. When the winds came, floods came, failed. They don't have their house built on the rock on the Lord Jesus Christ. See, other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says it. There is no other foundation we can lay on that's firm and fixed and settled and sure. Hallelujah. The wicked are digging a pit. I'll tell you how they dig it. With deception. You think you've got everybody deceived. I'm going to tell you something. You ain't got God deceived. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. You may have hid it from your parents. You may have hid it from your teacher. But God knows all about it. God knows what you're doing. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, I preached from that text Monday night. But you do realize that all these 
wicked people that the Bible mentions in these last days are religious folk. (laughs) All of them have the form. It's another word for formula of godliness. They have the outward tenets of religion. They have an outward form without an inward change. He says these men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. See, I heard that message Monday night. Well, you're here tonight, buddy, and you're hearing it again. All you've got's a form. But denying the power thereof, brother, that's the life-changing power of the gospel. That's what they deny. And when God saves you, it doesn't really change you. I'm going to tell you, by... Matter of fact, a personal testimony. When God saved me, I became a new creature in Jesus Christ. I became what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I became that when I got saved. I've not been denying the power of God and the life-changing power of the gospel. He said, from such, turn away. And I'm going to tell you something, teenagers, parents, whoever it may be that God's dealing with, you better turn away from them. You better turn away from them. Keep following that crowd that's got a religious form. You'll follow them straight to hell. Why? Digging a pit. Day to day, they're digging a pit. Did you realize, young man, you're digging a pit every day to the bottomless pit? You're digging and digging. Let's check the depth. How deep are you? How much more time you got? How deep you think you are, son? How much more time you think you got for the bottom falls out? Digging a pit. I'll tell you another way people are digging a pit. Not only by their deeds and their deception... But they're digging a pit by denial. They go in that denial mode. That message really wasn't for me. I mean, it rang every bell in your life, but he couldn't have been talking about me. It couldn't have been for me. And I know what some people say. Who's been talking to him? Who's been letting him know what I've been doing? 
No, I'm not, I'm not really lost. I'm not really unsaved. You're in denial. Another thing, I've got plenty of time. Hey, I'm only 15, 16 years old. If I live to be around three score and ten, hey, I've got plenty of time. Plenty of time. You may be thinking, I'm not going to die today. Oh, no. God's not going to call my number today. The Grim Reaper's not going to show up on my doorstep tonight. But boast not thyself of the morrow. I know it's not what a day may bring forth. I've heard thee in the time accepted in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now's accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6 You may be like back up in the mountains where I'm from. My dad was raised under this doctrine. Thank God that God saved him. I believe he was 29 years old when God saved my dad. But he was raised all my life, brother, with the doctrine, well, if you're good, we'll outweigh your bad. Surely you'll be accepted with God. Surely if you do enough good things, if you be good to your neighbor, if you do enough good things, surely God won't refuse you a place in heaven. I'm going to tell you, friend, that's a lie. I tell you again, I reiterate it, every good thing you do before you get saved is sin in the sight of God. There is none good, no, not one. None. So it's pretty quiet night. It's kind of like that when God's dealing with folks. Don't bother me. I don't feed on that anyway. You may be thinking, what kind of God would it be to put an individual in an eternal hell? Would God really do that? Yes, He would. If you reject His Son, He has no other alternative. You may be sitting here tonight thinking, I can get saved anytime. You can if God's dealing. If He's not dealing, you ain't going to get saved. You say, Brother Rose, who led you to the Lord? And I'm not against personal soul winning. Because that was a passion night to God's glory, passion night tracks. I'm not against it. I'm going to tell you, Brother Hammonds, the Holy Ghost led me to Jesus. Now, God used an instrument, but it was the Holy Ghost that glorified Jesus and made Him real in my life and convicted me of sin. And when did He lead you to Jesus? You can't get saved any time you want to. You'll get saved when God deals with you or you won't get saved. 
denial. You know what the wicked are doing? They're taking a pit. They're taking. They're taking. Let's check the depth. Wonder how deep you are. Wonder how far down you are. Preacher, I got trying to scare us. I'm telling you what, friend, you better get the fear of God in you. We need some preaching, man. That the fear of God will get in sinners. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of an angry God. You're used to this. You probably had a sergeant. (laughs) I wonder how deep you are. Keep digging. The wicked are digging a pit. Wonder if you're about ready to cave in. Brother Harvey, I never take it for granted anybody's saved when I preach to them. I I don't take it for granted anybody's saved. You say you preach like every one of these folks are lost, amen. You don't have to prove it to me. Prove your own selves. No, you're not your own selves. How did Jesus Christ be in you? Except you be reprobates. <coughs> the wicked are digging a pit. I wonder how deep you are. Psalm 9 and verse number 15. Let's look at that. Say, preacher, you sure are long-winded. You know, some people, I mean, they're used to just a form. A form, that's all they're used to. Just some kind of form. If a preacher preaches over an hour or something, they're just used to some kind of format. That's all. you better consider eternity. Psalm 9 and verse 15. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. In the net which they have hid in their, is their own feet taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared. Notice this. In the work of their own hands. Higion. Sila. Meditate upon it. Verse 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell. And all nations that forget God. So you can dig a pit by deeds. The things you do, sinner. What you doing? You're digging deeper and deeper. And you're going down. And you're having to chunk the dirt plumb out now. You're having to chunk it over your head. You're so deep. And you're having to get buckets and have them pull it out. You're so deep down. And so uh, you say, well, I know what. I'll get religious. I'll make a profession. 
but you never get born again. What you did is got deceived, and you're still down there. You're still down in the pit. And then when preaching comes along that convicts you by your pastor or another good man of God, you go into denial. That's not for me. You couldn't be dealing with me. I made a profession. Never changed my life, but I made a profession. I prayed a prayer. And then one day, as you're digging a pit, it's destruction. The bottom falls out because you're digging a pit you made it to the bottomless pit. You kept digging. You kept digging. Into that same pit you fell yourself. And now you're in hell. Luke 16, verse 23. He lift up his eyes, being in torments. And you'll be there in hell until God issues you before the great white throne judgment where you'll be judged along with all the other wicked dead. For I saw a great white throne. And him that sat upon it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. See, gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And every man was judged according to their works. Death and hell was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in a pit the Bible says these evil men these wicked men were digging a pit digging a pit to snare the righteous one of course it's dealing with David but I'm telling you sir the wicked they're digging every day you, t- you don't even realize how precarious your situation is you don't even, if you're here and lost, you don't you have no reality concept of how grave the situation is. Some of you don't even know. You think you're going to live a long time. What you don't realize, the devil's lied to you, and your number's coming up soon. Your pit is gonna cave in soon. Destruction. Destruction. Let's check the depth. You reckon the next shovel full is going to cave you in? You reckon that's all it's going to take and the ground give way and your soul drop off into hell? You willing to take the next shovel full? 
willing to take that gamble, gamble with your life. Let's check the depth. How close are you to destruction? Psalm 40. Psalm chapter 40. The first verses God let me memorize after I got saved by the grace of God. These have been my testimony verses all these years. I didn't realize the situation I was in, brother, and how I was digging a pit all my life to the age of 19. Rebellious against my parents. Haters of God. A cursor and reviler of God. Slipped around and did this. Told this dirty joke all the time. Just digging a pit. Hallelujah, there's deliverance from the pit. Psalm 40, verse number 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. Hallelujah, He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me, Apostle, out of a horrible pit. How the mari clay. He set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And He put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it. Shall fear. And shall trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to proclaim to you tonight. There's deliverance from the pit that you're in. I don't know how deep down you are. And you may be one shovel full away from plunging your soul into a never-ending hell. But tonight there's victory in Jesus. We have a wonderful Savior. There's deliverance through His name. And you can be saved tonight. You don't have to keep digging a pit to the bottomless pit. Hallelujah! He'll incline into you. It means to extend Himself. He reached farther down. Hallelujah. And I could reach up. It was the Mari Clay. I tried good works route. I tried the professions route. But the Mari Clay, I couldn't get out. I just kept slipping back farther and farther. But hallelujah, he extended himself. He inclined in mercy and love. Hallelujah. And he got me out of the horrible pit. I say glory to his name. Hallelujah to God. Amen. I got out of the pit digging business. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know how far I was away, ma'am, from the pit collapsing on me. Oh, I'm telling you, if you're saved, not you ought to bless the Lord. Hallelujah. You ought to thank Him. Hallelujah. He's a merciful Savior. And if you're here tonight and lost, I implore you and beg you in the name of the Lord Jesus, you better be delivered from the pit digging business. Young lady, if God was dealing with me, I'd run to this altar. You don't know that the next time you kick in the shovel, 
it might be when you go out into eternity. Digging a pit to the bottomless pit. If you're here tonight and lost, I would invite you to come. Young lady, I would not delay. If God's dealing with you, young lady, you can be saved. If you know you're lost tonight and you're not bothered, here'd be a good advice. This would be some good advice for you. I'd get on this altar and I'd ask God to bother me. If I was here not lost tonight and I wasn't bothered, I'd wonder why I wasn't. Our Father, we thank you for the unction that it takes to preach the Word of God. We thank you for your wonderful Word. We thank you for the truths in this book. We thank you, Lord, one day that God... You use the Spirit of God to warn me and tell me, Lord, to flee from the wrath to come. Thank God I responded positively to the gospel and God saved me for Christ's sake. Lord, it's untelling. And who we may be shocked to find out who here is a pit digger. Digging in the pit. Lord, I pray that you break their stubborn pride and their stubborn will. And God, deal with hearts as only you can do. And we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.